0: Our days are made up of decisions. Many of them feel small and inconsequential. What's the fastest way to get across town? What type of new coffee maker should I buy? Others feel weightier and can affect the trajectory of our lives. How do I know when to stick with something or when to move in a different direction? One of the great challenges in life is that we must often make these large decisions with a scarcity of information. In other words, when you're shopping for that new coffee maker, you can hop on Google, read reviews about every single coffee maker that's ever been made. On the other hand, when you arrive at a crossroads in your life, there's no amount of Googling that will predict your future for you. Siri cannot describe how the decision to try and have a child will make your heart feel like glass, even years down the road. Nor can Siri report what it will be like to wake up in the morning six months after you decide to retire. These types of decisions require more than our brains. They involve our souls. Every spiritual tradition teaches about the importance of discernment, learning how to ask clarifying questions, look for signs, listen for your inner voice, listen for God, all in an effort to help sort through the stuff of life and arrive at decisions that feel true to your soul. Our scripture is full of stories about people wrestling with all types of decisions, And many of these stories focus less on the making of that decision and then sticking to it and never wavering from it, and more upon what it looks like for God to be a part of the discernment. Decision-making can be more than an intellectual exercise. It can become a holy practice when we seek to discern God's presence in it the book of jonah is a short funny book in the old testament you could go home and read it in less than 15 minutes this afternoon in the episcopal church we hear exactly one lesson from the book of jonah every three years we read it this morning for many of us that name jonah evokes an image of a man inside of a whale. It's not this morning's reading, but it leads up to it. Jonah's story begins with God calling Jonah to go to Nineveh and pronounce judgment upon its people. So what does Jonah do when God calls him? Jonah gets in a boat and steers it in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. Jonah wants no part of this call. He says as much to his fellow sailors. When a big storm hits, Jonah ends up overboard. And as you might have guessed, is swallowed by a large fish. In the Bible, it's a large fish, not a whale, whose belly he lives in for three days and three nights. Now, if there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, then there is also no such thing as an atheist inside the belly of a fish. (laughs) Because Jonah gets real religious, real quick. While he is inside of this fish, Jonah composes a psalm. He dedicates it to God. He even reads out loud, which makes the fish throw up. This is where our reading picks up. Jonah's back on dry land. No sooner has he cleaned off all the fish insides than God tells Jonah again to go to Nineveh again and pronounce judgment upon the people. This time Jonah listens. He approaches Nineveh and he shouts to its people that they need to change their ways. And surprisingly, these fearsome, powerful people say, okay, sounds good and they respond with immediate contrition. The story ends with this, when God saw what the Ninevites did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed God's mind about the calamity that God said God would bring on them, and God did not do it. So if you're keeping score, Jonah changes his mind and decides to listen to God. The Ninevites change their minds and commit to living a different type of life, and then God changes God's mind, deciding not to obliterate these Ninevites after all. I get that this story is fantastical. I also get that it comes with plenty of nuance. I'm sure, for instance, that Jonah's decision-making was significantly impacted by being inside of a fish. And although God is merciful to the people of Nineveh, God's mercy is contingent upon them coming around and doing what God wants. There are plenty of other Old Testament stories about God smiting and destroying people who do not agree. All of that is true. And yet I think we risk missing something key if we overlook the fact that three characters, Jonah, The people of Nineveh and God discern that they would be better served by changing their minds. These aren't the only characters in our scripture to experience this, which is because our scripture reflects human life. As circumstances change, we change. Sometimes our thinking changes. Accepting that fact can be both liberating and frightening. But the goal is to arrive at discerned decisions that reflect the yearnings of our soul. You know, we live blocks away from an institution that is charged with making really powerful decisions that have the potential to impact our country and our world. Decision-making, often with high stakes, permeates our air here in Capitol Hill. Culturally, we increasingly play this game where when our leaders make up their mind about something, we box them into it. There's a right decision and a wrong decision. And sometimes there are, but we struggle with the notion that good people can arrive at opposing positions in good faith, or that people's thoughts on a particular topic have the right to change and evolve over time. This type of thinking should be shocking to those of us who claim to follow Jesus, because the very first words and the very first chapter of the very first gospel which we read from this morning, are repent and believe in the good news. In Greek, that word repent is metanoia, which literally means change your mind. The first recorded words in the Gospel of Mark are change your mind. All of this has had me wondering this week, how do we discern when to change our mind? At times in our lives, there's great value found in making change. And it's also true that at other times, there's great value found in sticking with things, even, with those, even when those things are really, really hard. How do we know when to go? How do we know when to stay? Both choices can be brave. Both come with gifts and costs and sacrifice. How do we engage in the type of inner work that helps us trust the promptings of our soul. Admittedly, such questions are scary to ask. It is much easier to ignore them. I can't pretend to have an easy answer this morning. Although I do want to say that when we ask these questions alongside God and alongside each other, we can trust the journey towards which they lead. It's a journey that probably won't be simple or come with a manual or a blueprint. At moments, I'm sure it'll feel scary, but we can trust it. This is one of the great gifts that church can offer, I think. To not navigate life's big questions alone, but instead to take each step alongside other people doing the same. I kind of wish we came across Jonah more than once every three years. I really like the guy. He's honest, if a little reluctant. He's resilient, having been tossed around by some storms, swallowed by something bigger than himself, thrown up just when he thought things were over. Jonah has experienced some life quakes and lived to tell the tale. Through it all, he keeps showing up, asking questions, looking for signs, listening for his inner voice, and listening for God. Every single one of us can learn something from Jonah. In the name of God, amen.